You're listening to the Independence Election Night Special here on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm your host, John Tarleton. We have another great hour of guests ahead of us. Um, we're also following uh, results uh, coming in uh, from various areas. A, a lot of polls are on the East Coast are closing at 8 o'clock. New York will close at 9 o'clock. Uh, Virginia closed at 7 p.m., and the votes are starting to roll in there. Um, according to Associated Press, with 37% of the votes reported, uh, Republican private equity executive uh, Glenn Yonkin uh, is leading by 10 points over former Governor Terry McAuliffe. Uh, who is a, a longtime uh, Clinton acolyte and, and prominent figure in the Democratic Party. And uh, and that those votes are also coming in now from the Washington, D.C. metro area where the Democrats are strongest. And frankly, in some of those counties, uh, McAuliffe is leading, by, but not by the kind of margins that uh, most observers uh, said he would need to carry the election today. So at least so far, uh, things are looking really good for the Republicans uh, regaining the governor's seat in Virginia. Um, the House of Delegates, the lower house of the assembly there is also up for grabs uh, with the uh, Yonkin running uh, so strongly at the tro- top of the ticket that probably bodes well in the down ballot races. Uh, Virginia was a state that Joe Biden carried by 10 points uh, in the election last year. It was also a state where he decisively defeated Bernie Sanders in the Democratic primary earlier in 2020. So Virginia, a swing state that had been has been trending uh, Democratic over the last decade. Uh, now uh, Republicans are coming on strong. And we will be talking a little later in this hour with Linda Martin-Alkoff, really about how uh, Yonkin and, and the Republicans uh, completely leaned into in, incendiary uh, 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 racial dog whistling and uh, really trying to find any way they could to tap into uh white racism or white racial anxiety, whatever you want to call it. So we will be talking about that a little bit later this hour, a very uh, troubling sign for where the country might be headed over the next several years. Uh, but uh, first of all, we're, we're going to um, talk with uh, Ben Max. We're going to talk some more about what's uh, happening in New York City with uh, all the, the new crop of uh, uh, people that are going to be coming into office. Uh, uh, ben is the executive editor of Gotham Gazette. Uh, also hosts uh, Max Politics uh, here on WBAI on Wednesdays from 5 to 6 p.m. Ben, welcome to our election night special. Hey, John. It's good to be with you. Thanks for having me back. You bet. Uh, So uh, your your initial thoughts uh, on on, uh, Eric Adams and and some of these uh, other folks who are coming into office uh, starting January 1st, whose uh, outcomes will be decided uh, tonight. Yeah, it's kind of anticlimactic here as general elections often go in New York City with the Democrats having such a big voter enrollment advantage. It's usually the primaries where things are really battled out, as we saw again this year. Anything could happen here. Polls aren't even closed yet, but we obviously expect Eric Adams to be victorious and become the next mayor. We expect uh, Jamani Williams to be a reelected public advocate, Brad Lander to be elected controller and onward down the ballot we go where Democrats are expected to uh, to win just about every seat in city government, except for a few. And there's some interesting races to watch uh, down the ballot a bit. Uh, a really uh, momentous um, Manhattan district attorney race as well, as I know you've discussed and um, and a lot more. So, you know, I think once we once we see this finalized, you know, some of the most interesting things of the entire year that this election has been happening will really start to take place where we'll 
see Eric Adams, who everybody's expected to be the next mayor since he won the primary in, in June. We found out the results in July. Um, you know, see him start to really form his government. And that will really give a lot of indi- indication about the types of decisions he's going to make. Eric Adams is a very complicated figure. It's really hard to tell exactly where his priorities are. Uh, we don't know what issues maybe save for a few that he's really going to prioritize. And we don't really know how he's going to govern because he talks a lot about some very big sweeping principles, but we've also seen him uh, sort of cater to the audience that he's speaking to, change his positions on some things. Uh, we don't know if he's going to sort of be more of a machine politician and repay favors, or if he's really going to try to hire the right people for all the jobs that he has to fill. So there's some huge question marks about the very likely next mayor that we're going to really start to see some answers to in the next weeks and months as he starts to, you know, really give indication of his priorities and his appointees. Right. And actually, before we jumping uh, ahead into talking about some of the other uh, key people who will be taking office in January, uh, can you give us any update on it, uh, competitive races that are happening um, today in New York? There's a, at least a few. Yeah, you know, the only ones that seem to be competitive are the Staten Island Borough President race, um, which typically goes Republican and, and is likely to, again, is former uh, Congressional Representative Vita Fasella is trying to make a political comeback. Um, and he's he's likely to win that. But there, but that's an interesting one because there's a conservative uh, party nominee that could take some votes from him, uh, Letitia Romaro. And so there's a chance that uh, the Democratic nominee, Mark Murphy, would would sneak through. But the Staten Island Borough president race is an interesting one to watch. And then there's really just a handful of um, city council races that I'm watching and, and lots of people are watching. But it's really a small number. Um, I can go through some of the districts quickly. But you know, it's a handful of districts. A couple of them are currently represented by Republicans, a couple by Democrats. They could go either way. They're somewhat significant in terms of the representation that those districts get, but they will not shift the balance of power in the next city council in any, you know, discernible way. Uh, you know, depending on who those city council members are, they might influence who the next speaker of the city council is. That's a pretty, you know, huge deal. That's one of the most powerful people in city government. So, you know, it matters there. One of the swing districts is actually District 43 in Southern Brooklyn, where city council member Justin Brannon, who won the seat four years ago by under 800 votes, if I, if I remember the numbers correctly, he's trying to win re-election in, in what's something of a swing district, generally speaking, you know, including the sort of surrounding areas. Um, and he's trying to become the next speaker of the city council, which is a pretty big rarity that someone from one of these handful of swing districts would also be a speaker candidate. I think broadly speaking across the city, that race, the race in uh, Queens in District 32, which is represented by moderate Republican Eric Ulrich right now, is seen as a bellwether of some kind because there's sort of a pretty far left progressive Democrat, Felicia Singh, running against a more uh, further to the right than Ulrich, Republican Joanne Ariolo, who's running uh, as a Republican nominee. So that's a pretty interesting one. And then the last one I'll mention for now, there's a couple others, but back to Staten Island, the Mid-Island District, which is currently represented and usually is represented by a Republican uh, term limited. Stephen Matteo is on the way out and there's an interesting race to replace him there. One of his top aides, David Carr, is the Republican nominee. 
And then former city council member Sal Albanese, who used to represent a part of Brooklyn, has moved to Staten Island a few years ago. He's run for mayor several times. People are probably familiar with the name. He's the Democratic nominee. And that one will be interesting. That's another one. There's an interesting little trend here where there is a conservative party nominee on the ballot as well, which maybe could help throw the the race to the Democrat. Right. And uh, also, uh, quickly, the there's uh, five uh, ballot initiatives uh, on the ballot for uh, voters in New York State uh, today that cover redistricting, uh, increase, uh, making it easier for people to, to vote, and also uh, one initiative that would uh, guarantee uh, a constitutional right to clean air and water um, for New Yorkers. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about these five initiatives and, and where did they come from? Sure. You know, as far as I'm concerned, there's a lot of interesting, uh, you know, sort of final points being put on the long campaign here, but there's not a lot of drama tonight, as we've talked about. Um, you know, there's history that will be made, including very likely Alvin Bragg as the first black Manhattan district attorney, Eric Adams, et cetera, as we've talked about. But perhaps the most interesting things happening tonight are these five ballot proposals because they are they do represent some really big changes to New York. Voters across the state are voting yes or no on the five ballot proposals. Um, you know, I think the first one's fairly controversial. It's got a hodgepodge of things in it. I think it's kind of a problem that they put all these different pieces in the one yes or no question because there's some important technical changes to the redistricting process in there. But then there's also some controversial changes to how the lines of the new uh, you know, state legislative and congressional districts are drawn and you know, how, how they're approved, those new maps. And, uh, you know, there's some questions about the details there. I could go into that more if you want, but that one's very interesting. Uh, it has some other aspects to it that I didn't even mention. And then, you know, I think question two is very interesting about the right to clean air and water in a healthful environment that could really change a lot of things in New York where governments, private industry would have to really uh, change some of their practices if that is a constitutional right for all New Yorkers, if that's approved. So that's a really interesting one to watch. And then questions three and four that could potentially lead to some major changes in voting rights and rules around no excuse absentee balloting, which would basically mean, you know, people can vote by mail as they see fit moving forward. We've had some of that during the pandemic, of course. And then same day voter registration uh, would be on the table. Uh, and, you know, that that's a significant one for people who, you know, have just moved or whatever it might be, just getting engaged in politics, and they want to register to vote and vote on the same day, same day voter registration could be uh, a possibility if, if question three is approved. So, and then the fifth one is a, is a kind of technical change to the New York City Civil Court that, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect there to be a lot of objection to. Right. And, and just one other aspect of that uh, first of the five ballot initiatives, uh, it would uh, it, it would it would change uh, how uh, uh, prisoners in New York, how their uh, home address is uh, is counted. They yeah. would be considered to be living in the in the their place of residence before their incarceration instead of, of being uh, counted as living in the rural counties uh, where they are incarcerated. So that's. That's significant. You know, 40, 45,000 yeah. people who, whose, um, you know, residents will, will shift and, and be more accurately reflected. Yeah. I mean, that's one of several parts of question one. I'm glad you brought that up that would very clearly 
uh, lean towards favoring Democrats overall. And that's why there's some controversy around, you know, some of, of question one, because, you know, Democrats obviously have so much power and control in New York as it is. And so there's been some questions raised about, you know, whether not uh, not so much on the on the, um, you know, the apportionment uh, issue you just raised about incarcerated individuals and, and where they're counted. There's obviously some conservative pushback on that. But um, just in terms of that, that I mentioned earlier about the ap- approval process for the new maps and, and sort of giving the majority party in the legislature an easier path to just drawing their own maps or approving the map. So a lot of interesting parts to question one, and I'm, I'm glad you raised that part too. Right. And, and uh, it, in the June primaries, uh, Eric Adams' uh, victory was a, a big disappointment for uh, many in, uh, progressives and people on the left here in New York. There were several candidates that uh, really sort of imploded uh, uh, on the left, but one, uh, one uh, candidate who did win, who, uh, has been seen as a champion of progressive causes in the last eight years on city council is Brad Lander, who uh, is on the verge today of uh, being elected the next city comptroller, taking over from Scott Stringer. And uh, we're going to play a clip of him in, in, a, in a moment um, uh, speaking at uh, the debate uh, uh, last week that he had with his uh, Republican uh, opponent. And, uh, but, before that clip uh, uh, comes on, you're well. Let's see. If, I think we have that clip ready to go now, and then I'll ask you to talk a little bit more about uh, Brad Lander. This is not a startup. This is a city where the leader must have been a worker. And you're not going to come to this city and think you're going to disregard the people who make this city work. Oh. Okay, so that was not Brad Lander. <laughs> Nope. But, that, uh, that was uh, Eric Adams, uh, uh, you know, sharing some thoughts on the uh, campaign trail recently. Um, so we, we may we may hear from Brad Lander in a moment. But uh, uh, your thoughts on Lander becoming a city comptroller and, and what he might be able to accomplish? Yeah, let me quickly say that, you know, back to Eric Adams for a second, because so much of what Brad Lander does as comptroller will be playing off of or trying to influence or holding accountable Eric Adams. So that's going to be a very interesting relationship to watch um, as it always is between the mayor and the controller. Um, And about Eric Adams, you know, he's definitely was more of a moderate centrist in the mayoral race, but he has a hodgepodge of proposals and policy stances that are not easily captured just by, you know, calling him a moderate or a centrist I found. And so I think it'll be very interesting because Brad Lander is clearly about to step up and and with Jermani Williams, the public advocate, we'll see if he's going to run for governor in the in the next primary. Right. But, but Lander and Williams together are basically going to be the citywide, you know, in a, in a manner of speaking, I'm sure they'll partner in some things. They partner in a lot of things and they'll do their own separate things. But in a manner of speaking, they're going to be sort of this progressive, you know, citywide leadership for New York City, probably trying to push Eric Adams further left on a number of issues, hold him accountable on a number of issues. So Brad Lander, you know, is really stepping up into a major role here that is going to have a lot of influence over, you know, city discourse and debate on a number of issues. And it'll be very interesting to see how he fulfills that role. You know, obviously, um, auditing, you know, city agencies, both based on how they're you know, spending money, but also just performance, programming and such, you know, he'll have a significant voice there through the audits and reports that the office puts out. 
And then the way that, you know, he tries to influence the decisions of the city's five public pension funds and their many hundreds of billions of dollars of investments, you know, will also be very interesting as he is someone who, you know, is very focused on uh, climate change, environmental justice, you know, and a, and a just transition. So I think he's going to become, uh, you know, among the progressive sort of standard bearers in the city. And it'll be very interesting to watch. Okay, we're going to have to leave in a moment, but uh, your your uh, show, Max Politics, uh, will be uh, on the air tomorrow at 5 to 6 p.m. Will you be following up on uh, on the elections as well? Yes, thanks. Everybody should tune in at 5 p.m. Wednesday. Um, yes, we will be breaking down the results. I'm still figuring out who's going to join me to do that. I have a couple guests uh, lined up, but uh, but everyone should tune in for that. We'll be we'll be analyzing some of the same stuff once we know the actual results um, and and getting into what we might expect from some of uh, some of the winners and 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 breaking down what we know. All right. Well, Ben Max, always uh, on top of uh, New York City politics. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on our election night special. It's my pleasure enjoying the show. And uh, thanks for having me.